Everybody, are you ready to grow and willing to change this morning? Awesome. Well, we're in week two of a series that we're calling, Are You Ready? And we're using uh, this period of, of Lent, uh, the 40 days from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday, to really talk about preparing ourselves, preparing our lives for the things that we face in life. Now, obviously, we can't prepare ourselves for everything we face because so much of life is really outside of our control, isn't it? I mean, if, <laughs> if not most of it is really, when it comes down to it, outside the realm of what we can manipulate and what we can control. But there are certain things that we know we're going to face in life. We're going to experience them because everybody does. And so we can do certain things in our life to help us be better prepared to face those things. And ultimately... We want to do what the song said that we sang just a moment ago. We want to be able to stand before the Lord someday and hear him say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. And we can prepare for that day. There are things that we can do in our life to help us be better ready when we'll ultimately face him one day. And so last week we talked about, are we ready to face temptation? And how we can be better prepared to do that. Because we're all going to be tempted in some way. What tempts you may not tempt me. What tempts me may not tempt you. But every single person is going to face temptation. And so how can we be better prepared to face that when it comes? Today we're going to talk about being ready to hear from God. Are you ready to hear from God? To be prepared for that event in our life. I don't know about you, but there have been many times in my life when I've just greatly desired to hear from God. I mean, it, maybe it was something... Uh, where I needed guidance in my life, I needed him to show me what he desired for me to do. Maybe it was an answer to a question I had. Maybe it was proof of something in my life. Maybe it was just a, a desire to be changed. But I wanted to hear from God. I wanted him to speak into my life. And if I'm honest, I have to say that God's responses kind of run the gamut from nothing to abundance. There have been times in my life where I feel like, wow, he's really communicated with me, maybe through his word, or he's spoken to my spirit, or brought somebody into my life that, that spoke to me, and I went, whoa, God is, God is trying to communicate something to me. But then there are times when I've, <laughs> I'm going, hello, are you there? Can you hear me now? That kind of thing. So what's the deal? What gives? Because all of us sitting here, I'm sure, at some point in time in our life, have gone, gosh, I wish God would just communicate. I wish he would just speak into my life. I wish he would show me what he desires for me to do. But here's what I believe, and I believe the Bible teaches this. I believe that God is always speaking. I believe that God is always trying to communicate into our lives. Well, if that's true, then why do sometimes I experience nothing? How come sometimes in my life I can't hear him? Why is that? Here's what I found. In order for me to hear from God, my heart has to be prepared. In order for me to hear from God, my heart has to be prepared to receive what he has to say to me. Because God is always the same. God is always trying to communicate into my life and into your life. 
Those two things are givens. So what's the variable in this equation? It's me. It's my heart. And am I willing to receive what God has to say to me? So we have to do some things in our life in order to be better prepared to receive what God is desiring to communicate into our life. And so we're going to look at a passage this morning where Jesus deals with this very subject found in Matthew 13. Jan put together just a really nice video and, and kind of illustrated that for us visually as that passage was being read. But let's, let's turn there if we could. If you have a Bible, look at Matthew 13. If not, it's right there on the screen. And we're going to be looking at this, this famous parable in Matthew 13, commonly called the parable of the sower. Verse 3, it says, And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he had sowed some seeds, fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places, where they had not much earth. And forthwith, or immediately, they sprang up, because they had no uh, deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus here begins to teach in parables, what are called parables. Now, parables were simply a, a story that conveyed a spiritual truth through something that would have been known or common at that time. And so Jesus... His audience is, is primarily uh, an agricultural society. And so he begins to tell a story about a farmer. He says there's a sower or a farmer. And the, and the farmer goes out and he has some seed. And he sows the seed. And that seed falls upon four different kinds of ground. First of all, he says it falls upon what he calls the wayside. Now, what that is, is in that, in that culture... There would be a field, but around the perimeter of that field would be a path where the farmer would walk. And, it, and over time, it got trodden down, and it became very hard. In fact, if, if you've got a dog that runs a fence row all the time, you know how it wears a path and it gets hard, or if you've been on a towpath maybe down at the canal, all that earth gets packed down. And if you dropped a seed on it, it would just lay there. There's no way it could penetrate that. So he says, hey, that's one kind of a ground that the seed fell on. Another is a, a stony ground. In that, in that culture, in that geography, the ground is very rocky, very, very stony. And so there's a, a portion of the ground that the, the stones or the rocks weren't uh, taken away, taken out of that. And so when the seed fell there, it had a little bit of dirt. It went down, but it sprung up really quickly, and it didn't have the roots that it needed. So when the sun got hot, it just withered. It burned up. And withered away. Then there's a third kind, a thorny ground. This is weeds or, or thistles or thorns that the seed falls among. And what happens is they come up together and the thorns choke that, that seed and it's not, it doesn't bear fruit. And then there's the good ground. And he says that, that is, is the seed falls into that ground and it brings forth all different kinds of fruit. This is the parable. So his disciples, they're like us. Jesus gets done telling this story about a farmer and some seed and these different types of dirt. And they look at him and go, yeah, that's great, man. <laughs> what does that mean? 
what are you trying to teach us here? They didn't understand. It's a great story, but what does that have to do with me? But he goes on and he tells them. He explains it to them. And so he'll explain it to us. Let's look at this. Matthew 13, verse 18. He says, And hear therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. So, let's set the table here. Let's set the cast of characters in our story. The sower is God. He's the one, he's the farmer. He's the one sowing the seed. The seed is the word of God. God trying to communicate into our lives. The soil represents the varying conditions of our heart. Our receptivity to the word of God, the seed of God. Now we could say, well, that, that different types of soil represents the different people in the world. There's some people that have hard hearts. There's some people that have good hearts. That's true. I've got no problem with that. But I think even beyond that, each one of us at different times in our life have each one of these four different conditions going on in our heart. Sometimes our hearts are hard to the things of God. Sometimes our hearts are good towards the things of God and can receive what he has to say. And so I think that this story not only represents different types of people that we may encounter in our life, but it represents different conditions of our heart from time to time. The sower is sowing the seed. He's God. The seed is the word of God. And the soil is the varying conditions of our heart. Now, the first type of soil was the wayside. Let's call that the hard heart. The wayside is the hard heart. You know, our, our hearts have a propensity to get hard. We can get hard towards the things of God, unreceptive towards the things of God, where we actually become closed to receiving what God has for us in our life. Generally speaking, it could just be a closed-mindedness towards God, where we're just kind of closed off towards Him, and we don't want anything to do with what He has to say to us. But I think in particular, in our lives, we can become hard-hearted towards a particular area of our life. Maybe there's some issue that we need to deal with in our life, but we don't want to hear about it. And our heart becomes hard in that way towards God. And we're unreceptive to what He has to say to us about that area of our life. This happens when, when we give ourselves over to skepticism. It happens when we come to God with preconceived ideas about how things should be and are. And we're just not open and honest and humble in His presence. But when we come to Him and say, you know, I think this is the way it is, our heart becomes hard. It also happens when we continually reject the truth of God in our life. Our heart becomes hard toward the things of God. When we reject his truth over and over and over again. The wayside. Last summer, my wife and I, we bought, we bought a home. And uh, God blessed us with that, and I praise him for it continually. And so we have a, a nice-sized yard, and it's in pretty good shape. I mean, the, there wasn't a lot that I needed to do, but I, I like to work outside. I like to work in the yard. I don't mind getting my hands dirty. A lot of people are like, oh, yard work, please, I hate that. Me, I don't mind it so much. And so 
I, I want to be out and I want to work in the yard. I want the, I want the yard to look really nice. And so this past fall, I, I went and I got, I got a, like a broadcast spreader. I know some of you are like, what in the world is that? It's a bucket with a thing that spins on it and throws seeds out, okay? So I went and got one of those, and I got some grass seed because I wanted to overseed my yard because there's, you know, some crab grass, some, some bare spots. And so I got this, and I put the seed in, and I went out, and I, and I broadcast the grass seed all over my yard. And, you know, got out there, did it, didn't take too long, I felt pretty good. It's like, I'm going to go inside and, you know, have a nice iced tea and then come back out and sit on my patio and, and just enjoy my land. <laughs> so I get outside, I get inside and I pour myself a glass of tea and I start to go back out to the patio and there are hundreds of birds in my yard eating my grass seed. I go running out the back door, hey! <sighs> they take off, they go, they, they, they go and they land in my neighbor's tree. And they're laughing at me, right? I go back inside. They come back. They're there. I, ah! This went on for an hour. My neighbors are probably going, who's the crazy guy that moved in next door chasing off all the birds? There's seed laying there. The birds are going to eat it, right? It's just laying on top of the ground. They, they're, they're watching me. They're like, look at the fool with the broadcast spreader spreading dinner out for us. And so they swoop down as soon as I'm out of the picture and they catch away the seed. As soon as it's laid there, they're eating it. I leave, they come back. Did you notice what Jesus said about the wayside and the seed that was sown there? Remember, this is ground like this tabletop. The seed's just laying there. And he says immediately, the birds swoop in and they catch away that seed that was sown. Now, this has a, a significant picture that Jesus is trying to paint. There's something hugely spiritual going on here that oftentimes I don't think that we understand. When Jesus is talking about birds catching away seed, they're going, yeah, okay, I've seen that happen. But what he's really trying to illustrate to them is something that's going on spiritually. And he says that sometimes when the seed of God's word is sown into a heart that's hard, he says... The fowls or the wicked one, the enemy, another passage in Luke defines it as the devil, swoops in and he catches that away. He doesn't want it to take root. He doesn't want it to get embedded in there. And so there's a spiritual thing that takes place where he catches that away. I know many times in my life, I've, and I've heard some of you say this to me, about those people in our life that maybe aren't believers and they'll come to a service maybe like this, or they'll, they'll hear something from Scripture, or they'll hear a gospel presentation, and, and, and we'll get done, and we'll be just tremendously moved by it. And we'll look at them, and they're going, and we'll think, why don't they get it? How can they not see it? It's so clear. It's so apparent. How come they can't get it? And see, what we don't understand a lot of times is that there's a hard heart. The seed has fallen on the hard ground and then something spiritual has happened where that wicked one has swooped in and caught it away before it could take root. In fact, a parallel passage to the one in Matthew 13 is, is Luke chapter 8 where Luke tells the same story and he adds some things. So we'll be referring to that throughout the, the morning as we go through this passage. But one of the things that he says 
in Luke chapter 8 and verse 12 about this same wayside seed and these fowls that come in. It says that they take it away lest they should believe and be saved. And so a lot of times when a person that we know and maybe love and care for, they don't seem to get it, we have to understand that there's a spiritual contest going on for that person's heart. The seed is sown, the fowl swoops in and catches it away before it can take root in their life. And that's why a lot of times people that we know, they don't seem to get it because there's something spiritual going on in their life. That's the wayside, the hard heart. Let's keep going. Verse 20. And he that received the seed into the stony places, the same as he that hears the word, and anon, or that means immediately, with joy receives it. Yet hath he no root in himself, but dureth or endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. The stony ground. Let's call this the superficial heart. The superficial heart. The seed was sown into the stony ground. And and those stones, those rocks that are there, keep the seed from putting down deep roots. It, It can't penetrate past them. And so it's very shallow, it's very superficial. And as we saw in the story, the the plant begins to grow, but then when the sun comes up, it scorches it. And he tells us what that is. Did you see that? He says, when tribulation or persecution comes, when trials come in life, they can't handle it. And so they quit, basically. They don't endure. They give up. They came, they heard the word. They received the word with joy, he says. Wow, this is the greatest thing ever. And just a short time later, things get rough. Persecution comes, he says, because of the word. And because there's no roots, they don't endure. But they wither. That same passage in Luke chapter 8 gives us another reason for this withering, and that's temptation, it says. Tribulation and temptation. So many times in my life, throughout my Christian walk, I've seen people that are just like this, that have come to church or they've encountered Christ in some way and they've come and they're so excited. Wow, this is what I've been looking for. This is what my life has been about and I've been searching for this and I finally found the truth. And you think, wow, that's great. This is awesome. And then a couple of weeks later, you look around and you go, where are they? What happened? Temptation came, trials came, and because there was no root, Luke 18 says, because it couldn't find moisture, there was no nurturing, there was no nourishment, they couldn't endure. They couldn't come to the point where they began to be fruitful and changed in their life. In order for us to have an enduring relationship with God, we have to go deep. We have to have deep roots, and we have to nourish and nurture that relationship with God. I want to I look at another passage, uh, kind of a, um, a, a cross-reference passage for this. In, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, this is Paul writing to the Christians in the city of Colossae. He says this, For though I be absent in flesh, 
yet am I with you in the Spirit. Join in beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. So Paul's observing what's going on in their life, and he's saying, you guys are steadfast. You are solid. You are enduring. They have, they have a, a faith that endures. Verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, check this out, rooted and built up in him. And established or established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Paul tells them, you guys are doing great. You are steadfast in your faith. But you need to understand that it is so important for you to continue to put down deep roots in your walk with God. And to endure and to be built up and to be steadfast and to be abounding in that faith. The stones, they keep us from going deep with God. They keep us from putting down our, our, our roots and strengthening that relationship. So what, what are these stones? What do they represent for us? Well, we could say a number of things, but here, here's, I think, the primary stone, the primary depth restrictor in our walk with God. Fear. I think our stone is fear. I think that's the thing that keeps us from going deep with God. Maybe it's fear of what God's going to ask me to do. Maybe it's fear of what God's going to ask me to stop doing. Maybe it's fear that God is going to push me beyond my comfort zone. Maybe it's fear of whatever. It keeps us from going deep with God. Richard Foster in his tremendous book, Celebration of the Discipline, says, superficiality is the curse of our age. And I believe that that's true. Not only relationally here, but relationally here. So often, because of our fear of what it might bring, we're afraid to go deep with God. To really dive in. And so our relationship with him is very surfacy. It doesn't move beyond the top soil. Because we have this stone of fear that's keeping us from going deeper. And as a result, our interaction with God is the equivalent of talking about the weather. We've got to pull that stone of fear out of our life. And know that he's a father that loves us tremendously. And move beyond that thing that's keeping us from putting down deep roots. And going deeper in our walk with him. The stony ground. Let's keep going. Verse 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Thorny ground. Let's call this a distracted heart. This is a heart that's cluttered. You see, this piece of ground is a little different from the other ones. It's got two sets of plants growing at the same time. You've got the seed of God's word that's been sown that's trying to grow. But you also have these thorns, these thistles, these weeds 
that are growing at the same time. And so the thorns, the weeds, they begin to choke out the good things that are going on in this soil. What are these thorns? Well, he defines, he gives us two here in this passage. The first one, did you see it? What was it? You guys remember what it was? The care, care of this world. You know what that is? Worry. Anybody here worry? <laughs> Dave's hand went up quick. Yeah, yeah, that's me. We all do, right? We all worry. I don't know about you, but when I've got something on my mind, when I'm worrying about something, and I try and come to the Bible and read it, what do I end up thinking about? Whatever I'm worried about, right? God's word's going, ding, 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 boom. It's not getting in, right? And if it makes its way in, the worry jumps up and goes, and just chokes it. It can't get in. He says, worry chokes God's word. His ability to speak into my life is choked out when I'm preoccupied with worry. Could be anything. Maybe you're worried about your finances. Maybe you're worried about your job. Maybe you're worried about your kids. You're worried about some other relationship in your life. Chokes. It chokes God trying to speak into your life. He also gives us another one here in this passage in Matthew. He says the deceitfulness of riches. When we begin to pursue riches. Now listen to me. Nothing wrong with having money. That's not the issue here. Many wealthy people in Scripture were used mightily by God. That's not God's issue. It's the deceitfulness of riches that's the problem. It's when we begin to pursue wealth with an idea that it's somehow going to make my life better. Or that it's going to solve the problems that I have. If I have more, then I'll be happy. No. No. <laughs> the more I have, the more I have to worry about. Because <laughs> I'm worried, I mean, so I'm going to lose it, right? Ooh, somebody might steal it, it might go away. And so the issue is pursuit. What am I after? What am I longing for? What am I looking to, to give me satisfaction and fulfillment in my life? He says, the deceitfulness of riches and the things that come with that, possessions and power and all that associated with it. We lean towards that. We all have a tendency to go after that. But he wants us to understand that God's ability to speak into our life, to communicate with us, is choked when we begin to make that our priority. Luke chapter 8, the parallel passage to this, gives us a third one. And it says pleasures. When we begin to go after pleasure. Now, is God against a good time? <laughs> I hope not. He's not. Who created fun? Right? We have this warped concept of who God is. Maybe based upon where we spend our life in church. You know, all these stodgy people, all buttoned down and stiff. You know, you smile and your face just cracks right there. God is the creator of pleasure. The issue is not fun or pleasure. The issue is pursuit. When my, my heart becomes focused on that and that alone, it begins to choke God's ability to speak into my life. You see, we've got two seeds growing side by side. Two things trying to take place in this heart. And it's distracted. It's divided. 
This is the heart that is trying to serve two masters. Jesus says you can't do that. You'll either hate the one and love the other or love the one and hate the other. You can't serve two masters. This distracted heart, this divided heart is trying to do two things at once. And as a result, it doesn't bring any fruit to maturity. In Matthew, it says that it's unfruitful. There's fruit there, but it becomes unfruitful. In Luke, it says that it's not able to bring it forth to perfection or completion or maturity. So it's got the beginnings of fruit. It's got the beginnings of producing a crop. But it's never able to get there. It's never able to bring it to maturity. Because the thorns are there and it's choking it. It's stealing the nutrients. It's stealing the sunlight. It's stealing all the things that it needs to grow. And so it never brings it all the way to maturity, to completion. I think this is the group of people that Paul talks about when he says they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. There's a form of godliness, there's a resemblance of fruit, but there's no power associated with it. It never matures, it never comes to completion. It's never perfected because there's a divided heart. If I could be very frank for a moment, I believe that this is why, this is the primary reason in many, many churches in the world today, we have so many immature believers in Jesus. They're not immature because they're young. They're immature because they have a divided heart. They're trying to go after two things at the same time. And you can't do that. They're trying to go after the riches of this world, the pleasures of this world. And they're trying to go after God at the same time. And when we try and do that, listen to me, the world will always win. It will always choke out God's speaking or trying to speak into your life. Let me be abundantly clear. Because I'm not saying that in order to follow God and pursue God and to be focused on God, you have to forsake everything that you know. Well, I, you mean I have to leave my career, I have to leave my studies, or I have to give up all the things that I possess? Not at all. But what you do need to do is bring God into those things. Bring God along. Make Him part of those things that you're doing in your life. Invite God to be part of your career and part of your business. Bring Him along. Make Him part of your hobby, your recreation, what you love to do, what gives you pleasure. Bring Him into that in some way. They're not exclusive, they're mutual, they work together. We, we have this bad habit, guys. We have this bad habit of compartmentalizing our life. Well, here's my spiritual life. This is my professional life. This is my recreational life. Here's my, my love life, my love life. You know, whatever, however big it is, what, right? And they never cross. They never meet. 
spiritual life. Spiritual. All of your life is spiritual. You know, in the Hebrew language, there's no word for spiritual. It doesn't exist. You know why? Because all of life is spiritual. God wants to be involved in every aspect of your life. He wants to be your pursuit no matter what you do, whether you work on Wall Street or you're still in school. God desires to be at the center of that. And all of that is for his honor and glory. Otherwise, we're going to have a difficult time maturing in our spiritual life. Let's continue on. Let's look at the last one. Verse 23. And he that receives seed into the good ground is he that hears the word and understands it, which also bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. This is the good ground. We'll call this the prepared heart. The prepared heart. This is ground that's been worked. This is ground that is prepared to receive the seed. It receives the seed and becomes fruitful. You know, the Christian life, in essence, is about fruit. Now, if you're new to this Christian thing and we've been talking about fruit, you're probably going, what in the world does that mean? You know, right? Apples, oranges, what do you mean? Basically, in Scripture, fruit comes down to one of two things. It's either converts, people that we influence and they come to faith in Christ. The Bible describes that as fruit. But more often, is describing character. A change in character. A fruitfulness in character. In fact, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 lists nine different fruit of the Spirit. Things like love and joy and peace and long-suffering or patience. Those things. These character qualities, these things that God desires to build into our life. And so when the seed is being sown into the good ground and it brings forth fruit, I think it speaks to these changes in character in us. Changes that take place in our life. Jesus says that fruit is the evidence of a relationship with him. He tells his disciples, look, look around you. You'll know them by their fruit. Look at people's lives. If you see these changes, if you see the character qualities and and the transformed life, these are all evidences of someone who is being changed, who has a relationship with me, who is receiving my word. You'll know them that way. Our parallel passage in Luke 8 says that this ground, describes it this way, that it's an honest and a good ground. I think that speaks to the humility with which we have to receive God's word. Again, we can't come to God saying, well, I've, I've got all this figured out. But we have to come to God's word with the attitude of, God, I, I, I don't know anything. And I'm willing to do whatever you desire for me to do. Speak into my life. That's a, a prepared heart, a heart that's ready to hear from God. It hears this word. It keeps this word, and it produces fruit. Luke 8 says, with patience. That word means perseverance. Here's what we get from that. It doesn't happen overnight. When God speaks into our life, when his seed comes into our heart, and we receive it, and we keep it, 
and it begins to grow and it begins to produce fruit in our life, that is a lifelong process. And so I would caution you not to allow our instant society to cause you to become discouraged and frustrated because you're not becoming like Jesus tomorrow. But know that it takes time and nurturing. It takes patience and a willingness to wait on God to build these character qualities into our life. As I was coming through this passage, a couple of things really struck me. First of all, to me, it seems foolish that the sower, the farmer, would sow seed into ground that he knows isn't going to receive the seed well. I mean, anybody knows it's, the seed's not going to grow on hard pan. That if the soil's rocky, it's not... Any farmer is going to know that. Why, why is he sowing seed on ground that he knows isn't going to grow? And here's what struck me. Is that God is trying to speak into every heart, regardless of the condition of that heart, because he's giving everyone an equal, equal opportunity to receive what he has to say to them. And so whether we bring a hard heart to him or we bring a good heart to him, he is speaking into our life, trying to give us a chance to receive his word and to bring forth fruit. Here's another thing I observed. The sower's the same, God, he's the same. The seed is the same, and, and, the dirt's the same. I mean, the, 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 the dirt that's good and the dirt that's on the wayside, it's the same dirt. It's not different kind of dirt, it's the condition of the dirt that's different. But the dirt's the same. And I think that's important, because we have to understand that everyone's the same. We don't start off with a predisposition towards a hard heart or towards a good heart. It's all the same. But it also shows us this. The condition of our heart is our responsibility. The condition of my heart is my responsibility. It's not anyone else's fault. You say, well, I got a hard heart because of something that happened to me. I hear you. I know, I'm sure it was hard. But you still have a choice as to whether or not you have a hard heart or a good heart. So how do we get there? How do we get to the point where we prepare our heart to receive what God has to say to us? Let me give you a few things and we'll be finished this morning. The first thing that we need to do in order to have a heart that's prepared to receive what God has to say to us is we need to turn over the soil by humbling ourselves before God. That wayside is good dirt. It's just not prepared to receive the seed. It needs to be turned over. Someone needs to get in there with a hoe and dig it up to make it soft, to make it pliable so that the seed can come into it. And you and I, when we come to God with this hard heart, if maybe that's you today and you've got this hardness towards God or maybe there's a particular area that God's trying to speak into your life but you've hardened your heart in that area, you need to turn that over. You need to make yourself humble before God, ready to receive what He's trying to say to you. 
There's a beautiful passage in Ezekiel chapter 36 where God's speaking to Israel. And he says, you've got a hard heart. You know what, though? I can give you a new one. I can make it soft again. So maybe you're here this morning and that's you. You've got this hard heart. And God's word isn't making its way in. Maybe at one time it was soft. But over time it's become hard again. Turn it over. Come humbly to God. Come humbly to him. Asking him to speak into your life. Here's the other thing. We need to pull out the depth restrictors and prepare to go deep with God. Let go of the fear. Let go. Leave it. Let go of the fear and prepare to go deep with God. Go deeper with Him than you've ever gone in your life. Take your relationship with Him to new levels. Life is too short. And being a follower of Jesus is too important to be lived in a superficial way. And so we need to pull out the fear so that we can go deep with God. When I was a kid, my, my parents always had a garden. I hated that garden. I hated it. I did. It wasn't that big, but it was, you know, maybe, maybe 10 square yards. It wasn't huge, but every single spring, they'd till the ground, they'd turn it over, and then they'd make me and my brother go out and pick rocks out of it. I hated that. They, they, they didn't want the stones in the soil. And you'd pick one up and there'd be three underneath it. You know, and it's all day. And you know what? Here's the thing that I never got. I didn't understand. I, I, to this day, I don't understand this. We, we'd pick out all the rocks, plant the seed, fruit would come up. We'd enjoy the, you know, the carrots, the vegetables, the corn, whatever was growing. Next year, they'd go out and turn over the dirt. There'd be more rocks there. Where did they come from? I don't know. Is there a rock fairy? You know, comes along. <laughs> Makes me mad just sitting here thinking about it. Here's my point, though. This is a continual process. You never get to the point in your life where you go, oh, oh all the rocks are gone. I can go deep. No. There's always another rock. But let go of that one of fear. Pull it out. And if it comes back, pull it out again. And just keep pulling it out until you can put those roots down deep. Here's the third thing that you need to do. Focus your distracted heart and make God your priority. Focus your distracted heart and make God your priority. Don't let the thorns of life worry, the deceitfulness of riches and pleasure choke out what God's trying to do in your life. Make him your focus. Make him your priority. The first and great commandment is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is your priority. And again, that means bringing in him into whatever you're doing in life, wherever he has you, whatever he has you doing. Getting him involved in that. But making him and serving him and following him the priority of your life. And finally, be patient 
and persevere. Be patient and persevere. Stay with it. Hang in there. The fruit is coming. Paul tells us in another passage, I think it's in 1 Thessalonians, he says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due time you will reap. So often in life we get in there, we're trying to do the right thing, we're trying and it's hard, I'm trying to do the right thing and it's hard and I, I I just give up, I just quit. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due time you will reap. I had a conversation just this week with one of my kids. Because they're at a point in, t- in, their, in their life, in their school work, it's starting to get a little more difficult. And, and this particular subject is, is hard for them. And so they, they had a test, and they didn't do very well. And so there's another test coming, and we're sitting down, and we're trying to study. And I, and I, and I looked at them, and I said, look, okay, this is a life lesson. You need to understand this. All through life, you're going to face things that are difficult. And you got a choice to make. You can be a loser and quit, or you can have a winning attitude and work harder and endure. That's our choice. And all through life, all of us have the same things that happen to us. We face something in life, and it's difficult, it's hard. i got a situation, this is, man, this is hard. What am I going to do? Am I going to be a loser and quit? Or am I going to have a winning attitude and endure? Be patient and persevere. We need those things in our life. Here's my challenge to you this week. I want you to do some soil analysis in your life. I want you to take a little sample of your heart and say, you know, is it, is it a little hard? Have I allowed it to get hard? Maybe there's a big stone in it that's keeping me from going deep with God. Maybe it's just covered in thorns, thistles and weeds that need to be pulled out. Or is it, maybe it's good. And I just need to be patient and persevere because the fruit's coming. This week, I want to challenge you to just clear off some space, take some time, Stop your schedule and just sit and contemplate the condition of your heart and see if you are ready, prepared to receive what God has to speak into your life. That's your challenge this week. Let's pray together. Dear Father in heaven, thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray uh, that this morning that you would use your word to really speak into our hearts. I'm sure in this room, Lord, there are hearts that fall into each one of these four categories. Some hearts that have become hard. Some hearts that are allowing fear to keep them from going deep with God. There's a distracted heart here this morning as well, Lord, that is trying to chase two different masters at the same time. There's a good heart here too, Lord, that's just waiting to bring in the crop 
Lord, work in every heart this morning. Thank you for the simple story that illustrates the things that we need to do in our life to better prepare our heart to receive what you have to say. Lord, help us th this week, Father, to, to take some time to analyze the soil of our heart, to turn over the soil where it needs to be turned over, to make it ready to receive your word, to pull out the stones, to cut down the weeds. Lord, help us to analyze that, that condition of our heart, Lord, so that we can truly hear from you and be changed by you, that we can bring forth fruit for your honor and glory. Lord, we love you, thank you, and praise you for the Lord Jesus. And it's in his name that we ask these things. Amen.